Welcome to Overboost 22. Overboost is a podcast interview series featuring discussions with speedrunners about their history in speedrunning and gaming and the runs they're passionate about. I am your host, PMC Trilogy, and with me today is Mad Mega. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. No, I'm really, I'm really excited. So, as a little origin story, this podcast series really began out with a very, 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 very niche interest, which was uh, mecha games, because you know I do some mecha games myself. And so I had, I that was a kind. Of, I think when I first put you on my 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 list of like prospective runners, it was like Metal Storm. Got to get around <laughs> to talking about Metal Storm at some point. I like to start these off with some recent event conversation and for you i think one of the things i wanted to ask about uh was you had the opportunity to do uh i think the your two runs back to back at sgdq and i just wanted to check in how was that experience of doing of being a part of the the first on like fully i guess fully online main event gdq of course there's been you know side events online before uh, but I wanted to see if you just sort of had any, any commentary to provide about that experience. Uh, honestly, it was it was great. I mean, I I feel like as as a speedrunner, um, at least the way that I came around into it, uh, AGDQ always kind of felt like a like a very it, it is the big stage. You know, I think is is what it is the easiest way to say it is is that in speedrunning, like that's that's the primary stage. That's where you know, the biggest audiences, so to speak. So it, it's kind of viewed, I've always kind of thought of it as a, is kind of like a, a major career goal, uh, for, for a speedrunner to, you know, be able to get up there and show, you know, the, whatever game it is or games that you have that are, uh, that are, that are most near and dear to you. And, and Metal Storm is one that's definitely been there, uh, for me and, uh, getting to do two runs back to back, um, Getting to show off uh, a, a Ghostbusters game, which is another one of my favorites, um, became one of my favorites. It 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 was really cool in the middle of a nest block on a Monday that that uh, the schedule slipped and I ended up I think in a much better uh, viewing window as well. So um, it it was it was really cool to be a part of. Um, the the only thing is, and, and you know I I, I hate to to sound kind of negative, but it's like I really wish that I'd been able to be there and and have my my friends be on the stage with me and have my re- and have a full couch and and that whole experience um because for for the the online it it felt kind of uh you know a little trimmed down and and I was afraid to to have too many voices cuz the games weren't very long and and I think that that when you can't see each other it it's hard to have you know those moments where uh, you know, the uh, a bigger couch could talk, but I, I only wanted to have one co- one co commentator for each. But it was it was a really good experience, and I and you know it it's awesome to be able to show those off uh, to me to a lot, a lot of people that that probably don't know of Metal Storm or uh, even fewer who know of uh, New Ghostbusters too. So yeah, no, it's it's hard to replace the the sensation of being on a stage uh with people and i think you brought up a lot of the points in terms of commentary i definitely feel like i noticed that too in that i think for an online event not being able to see each other 
it's much better to have you know fewer fewer uh members of commentary uh there were some runs that still really did it well but i think you know those are usually longer runs too so i think you know i definitely agree with your assessments uh before we move on to the 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 history background interrogation <laughs> i did want to ask uh, you sounds like you got two two favorites of yours, new new Ghostbusters two and Metal Storm into SGDQ. What's what's the next thing? If you if you had an automatic in and you could get any game you wanted, in fact, you may have already submitted it because uh, AGDQ 2020, 2021 uh, submissions just closed uh, not too long ago. Uh, what's that game? Uh, well, the I, I did not submit it this time. I actually didn't submit anything for this AGDQ. Mm-hmm. I, I, I elected, um, you know, I got in, and this is another online event, and I kind of thought that um, maybe it was better. Um, one of the cool things I think about it being an online event, um, real quick to diverge, not to not to ignore the question, but the it, is that I think that it gave a lot of people opportunity to be a part of an AGDQ that weren't normally able to because it is a live event and there's travel involved and there is a significant expense to all of that. So I kind of looked at it as like, I could probably offer another game or two that might get in there, but I'd rather not, you know, even, even present a temptation to, to have that and I and I can save that for another day. But the, the game I'm, I really want to get in is, uh, it's called Lucky Dime Caper starring Donald Duck. And I have done that run at multiple events now. And it's an old Sega Master System game that I don't think was ever actually released in the United States. Uh, same thing as New Ghostbusters 2. That was also never released in the United States. Somehow I find these games and they just speak to me. Um, but it is, uh, for some reason, that game just, I, I love it. it it's, it's got Donald Duck, and I, and I mean, I like him as a character because he's just this angry duck and he's, he's, he, you can't understand a word he says. There's, there's just something charming about him. But the game is very precise and a really clean run of it looks very very easy and i and i always kind of appreciate games that when you see them speed run at a at a high level it looks like it's the easiest game in the world and then if you pick it up and you play it you're like wow this is brutal <laughs> and and i just it's it's definitely one of my it it's it's another one of those games that has become one of my favorites uh just from speed running it Cool. No, that's actually really, I, and I like too that in this case it feels like some of your speedrunning efforts are are surfacing these games that uh, you know didn't make it to North America, or you know when we talk about Metal Storm, that's a game that you were doing the, the re-release version, which is its own cool story that we'll we'll get into uh, maybe later when we dive into that game specifically. Uh, but let's let's get on track here. Let's go back to the very beginning, the foundation. Where does gaming start for you? Is it something you got from family, friends? Uh, so I was I was thinking about this a little bit, and I I have to I I think it goes back to like when I was in like preschool or kindergarten, and I was uh, I had a friend uh, back then, and his his name is Joe, and I I honestly haven't talked to this to this guy in in like fifteen or twenty years now, like since high school, but. He had a Nintendo, and so like he was my best friend in grade school, and 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 I was like, oh, Nintendo's so cool. So we would, I'd go over to his place and we'd play Nintendo. So for like Christmas when I was four or five, my parents finally caved, and I got the uh, the NES control deck. You know, the big 
uh, box that came with the two controllers, Super Mario, Duck Hunt, and uh, and the, uh, the you know, the light gun. And and uh, my my dad had to climb behind the TV and hook everything up and and you know and I'm I'm four years old or five you know I'm terrible at Mario, um, but that's you know that's the game that we had and and not long after that I mean I I've basically ever since then I've always had at least one or two consoles and I've always uh, been playing you know pretty much pretty much since then so it's it's been about three decades I would say of of pretty solid uh you know just video games it it just about every stage of my life everywhere i've been so so you know this is actually this is this is a pretty common sort of thing you know you have that early holiday gift and it you know translates from there one thing i always like to ask is at what point would you say that you really took ownership of it yourself that it was no longer you know because I, I think for like for me growing up, you know, Christmas or birthday, I might get you know uh, a two two PlayStation games, two PlayStation two games, something like that. Um, but then you know, at a certain point, like going to college, I think the the first system I really bought for myself was probably you know in college again when eighteen was would have been like three sixty. And so I'm curious for you, uh, is there a certain point where you feel like ah yes, you know, I'm really in the driver's seat here in terms of going out and getting what I want. Hmm. So that that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Um, I, I think that that for me it might have happened a little earlier than for a lot of people. So when I was when I was younger, um, you know, not 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 to get super super kind of like downer, I guess, but my uh, my um, my parents got divorced, and so like mm-hmm. my after that happened, you know, I I was always big into video games, but that was always kind of an escape, and. Um, one of the things that, uh, that after that happened was, is that, you know, the, the like allowance and being able to save up money and scroll money away and, and that sort of thing. Cause that's how I bought like Super Mario Brothers three. I remember I like saved my allowances for like three mm-hmm. months or something. Yeah. Um, but, but once those things started to go away, like I had, you know, these, these games, but, but I basically played them and I was, I was kind of done with them. So uh, where we lived, I was able to like walk to. It was before GameStop. I don't remember even the name of the the place. I think it was a different chain at the time. It was a, a Funko Land or a Babbage's yeah, or a, yeah, an electronics was, boutique? Yeah, it, not. It wasn't even one of those. It was an. It was okay. just a, a, a. I think like a third party shop, and and so I would mm-hmm. take some of these games and I'd trade them in, and and uh, once I got a little older, even you know, once I was in high school. Um, even then, I, I was always kind of making a, a, like deals with my dad, basically. Like, okay, well, if I trade in my, you know, my Sega, that gives us X amount of dollars, and then, you know, I'll do that now, and I'll give you that credit, and then for Christmas, I'm going to get, you know, a Dreamcast or a PlayStation. I forget what, how, like, the progression went, but so, like, I was always trying to kind of keep up and with you know, what most of my friends were playing at the time. And so I kind of had to, you know, adopt a, okay, well, as much as I'd like to keep my original Nintendo, uh, you know, it, it's got to go for another purpose. So I, I, I'm unfortunately able to say that I, th- I think that most of the consoles that I have that I'm sitting in front of right now, I think only uh, one or two of them are actually uh, original uh, machines that I've had, you know, since I was young. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, you you anticipated that question because I because it, it sounds like then of course you know you were you were trading and stuff and you didn't keep things around, which is which is good and bad. You know, it depends. Uh, I, I I feel like. When, among my friends, there there are the friends who who take care of their stuff, and then there are the friends who are like uh, I don't know, like somehow emit a field that just slowly decays things around them. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like you, somehow they have the NES that has you know the the front swinging plate removed, and all the other pieces that can be removed removed, and somehow it's not it's loose. It doesn't actually fit together the shell like it should. <laughs> Um, you know, but then some people have it in, in pristine condition or something, you know, so I, I, sometimes it might be, like, I certainly feel, um, like I, I, you know, for, for me, the, the first one I saved up for was PlayStation 2, but that PlayStation 2 went through some, some rough times and I do not have that PlayStation. And now I get to use my, uh, my girlfriend's childhood PlayStation 2, which I will tell you, uh, is in much better condition. I'm glad I'm using that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I think the... The N64 I have is actually, um, I think it's my little sister's, and she never really played it, and when my, my dad was, you know, after after my little sister moved off to college, he's like, well, we have this thing, I have no use for it, I was just going to get rid of it, I was like, don't, don't, don't you dare do that, I will, I will take that, I will, I will put that N64 to good use. Oh, also, I, I just, I just realized I have to make an editorial, editorial note for anyone listening, at the time of recording, um, the the statement I made was correct. By the time this podcast releases, uh, I probably should have said uh, my my wife because <laughs> we're getting married next week. But that is neither here nor there. Just in case, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be announced soon. Pandemic wedding. It's not quite as big affair as you know we'd like it to be. But that's uh, you know that's twenty twenty for you. Yeah, it's, um, that, that's this year for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a hundred percent this year. Uh, so here's another question then. Which is, and this is something that surprises me, because I am very much, I feel like for much of my, my life with games, have been very uh, single-player-centric, and I think by their nature, speedruns are typically uh, single-player-centric experiences. You have some co-op stuff, things like that, but typically single-player games is what you're looking at, and I, I still find that people find a lot of time, or at least have had phases where they've been very much into uh, big multiplayer games. Certainly the past two decades, you know, I think you saw the rise of internet gaming, which has enabled all sorts of things, you know, matchmaking through MOBAs, first-person shooters, or MMOs. Uh, did you have any big phases with big multiplayer games? Uh, I would say that that I definitely did. Um, it's It's been kind of in weird uh, bursts, I guess would be the way to say it. Um, for the longest time, until really I got into speedrunning at all, I I I was all I've always been big single player focused, anyways. Um, but I'd I'd say that the tail end of the original Xbox when Halo Two and Xbox Live were a thing, I I played that pretty pretty extensively. But even then, it was it, it was less friendly. Uh, from from an ease of access point, I think. Then, I mean, once the 360 came out, to me that just changed everything in terms of being able to play online. And in and and also, it didn't it didn't hurt that you know that was I was in college at the time, and when Halo Three dropped, I mean, that was just all we did. I mean, it, it was we we'd go to class. Um, do like the minimal amount of homework possible 
and then it was just Halo time. And we just, we played a lot of Halo, and then that led to, you know, it's like some Call of Duty. And, you know, even now, I'll still play, uh, I, I still think that Halo is probably my favorite, like, online shooter. Like, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not streaming, uh, which which I admit I, I haven't been doing as much of as I, sh- as I should lately, but if if I'm just, like, trying to have, like, 20 minutes or an hour where I'm just relaxing, like, a lot of times I'll, I'll fire up, uh, uh, you know, Master Chief Collection, and I'll play some Halo um, and I, in one of the few ways that actually, uh, I've been able to maintain contact with, uh, some of my buddies, uh, this year, uh, we, we, we're pretty good about, you know, once a week we'll get together, we'll play Rocket League and, you know, instead of, uh, you know, what we'd normally do, which is like Saturdays, we'd hang out at each other's house and like, you know, hang out and, and, you know, shoot the breeze or whatever. Now it's, uh, Thursday nights, we'll get together on Halo and, have a few beers and just uh, just chat and and play carball. So it's it's been a nice side way of of maintaining relationships this year, especially. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I do enjoy enjoy multi games. It's uh, it, but I it's it's never something I feel comfortable streaming. I guess is is the reason why you'll probably ne- you'll probably never see it there <laughs> for me. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a really good answer. I, I think um, it's interesting to me. In terms of this podcast and asking speedrunners this question, I feel like the the two things I've gotten are either uh, what you just said, which is maintaining the social connection, or I think you'll see that uh, some runners, you know, they have a deep drive to be competitive, and you know, and so going to things where they can get a ranking like league uh, will will you know will scratch an itch in the same way that competing on a leaderboard might scratch that competitive itch. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's, I shouldn't have been surprised, but you know, there, <laughs> there we are, uh, multiplayer games still, still pretty important. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about speed running. I think you, you hinted what the answer to this is, but what's your first exposure to speed running? Uh, well, so I, I think that, you know, I, I think it's been about five years now. Um, I tried, uh, to speed run maybe about five years ago. Um, I, I forget the exact year but i i remember that uh something that i don't i haven't seen these that much uh after gdqs recently but i know that for a while there was uh it was called a get yourself speed running series and the year that i really just kind of fell in love with with watching it was a year that one of the get yourself speed running games was mega man 2 and i've always been a Ma- uh, a huge mega man fan that was always my favorite you know game uh, on the NES when I was a kid, that that series, and so I was like, "Oh, perfect! This is this is an opportunity to you know kind of dive into this this thing that I'm I've, I've really enjoyed watching on Twitch. Like I I found YouTube and I found Twitch, and then it led to the GDQ, and then it's like, hey, you can teach yourself how to do this. And I was like, oh, cool. And and I and I tried to do that, and I and I can say that I'm I'm very glad that the earliest vods are are not accessible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did not have the, the computer hardware, uh, to be able to do it. Um, it was a, just a, a, a mess in terms of presentation, um, like just choppy. Cause I was trying to play on like a Wii U, um, like trying to capture that with a, with, uh, a computer that was n- in no way powerful enough to handle like an HDMI connection in and, so it 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 looked really really subpar, 
Um, and then, you know, and I and I was in the tournament for the Get Yourself Speedrunning, and, and I did, you know, I guess fine. Um, and, and I was like, okay, that's that was fun. And then I kind of stopped for about a year, and then GD, AGDQ rolled around again, and, and I was like, oh, this is this is cool. Maybe I'll, I'll try that. And there was a Mega Man 3 tournament. Um, you'll see a theme, especially in my early going, that is very Mega Man-centric. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll learn Mega Man 3. And so I did that. And, and all of this, mind you, is being done. I'm playing these old retro games on a like 55-inch LED TV in my basement that is not designed to have like composite input. So mm-hmm, I uh, right. so so I'm dealing with and what I come to realize, you know, years later and at the time I didn't quite know this is that um a pr- a big problem that you have with retro games is if you have lag um especially, you know, variable lag which is what you get if you if you go on Amazon and you buy like a composite to or or a composite to uh HDMI converter like a little $10 job on Amazon and you you use that you can kind of play your game and it's going to be fine but if you're trying to be really precise you're just going to die a lot because the the frames displayed on the screen are not the same uh that's actually going on in the hardware at the time and so I didn't know any of this, and so like worked really hard to try to you know be somewhat competent at Mega Man Three, and it turns out that one of the reasons why I was having trouble is that you know I I couldn't develop rela- reliable visual cues or audio or really cues of any kind. I was just like I had to play very safe no matter what I was doing, and. It was around that time where I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to start taking this seriously. I'm going to try to do this for real. And I I got a, you know, a proper CRT television that I'm sitting in front of now. It's a it's a pretty nice uh PVM that I've got here and and I kind of went all in on the on the retro thing and and those were the games that that really got me started and then once I got comfortable with with that, I I branched out more and I've I I've kind of played a bunch of retro garbage all over the place, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, uh, you know, now, if you look at my library on, on speedrun.com. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is, this is a good tangent to get into because I'm very, very curious about this. Because uh, ter- I feel like this is one of those things, um, you know, I, I'm going to say playing older video games generally right now. Uh, you know, the hardware for connecting, you know, what TV how do you connect to the TV? How do you capture? Um, so I, I heard you say, I heard you say PV. How heavy is yours? I'm, I just <laughs> that's the more than how much did it cost? How heavy? Uh, it's it's not light. I think it's only like a 14 inch screen, so it's not even especially large. But I I mm. think it's probably like 30 pounds. Like it's okay. it's heavy. Uh, I yeah. I remember picking the thing up and I and I put it in the back seat of my car and when I picked it up off off the seat of my car after I got home I like look over and you can just see where the weight like creased the, the leather in the back seat of my car and I'm just like well I hope I hope that rebounds because otherwise that's that's there forever and <laughs> it's never <laughs> never going away um so do you do all of your playing of of older games on that TV do you have any other setups where you're still using a modern TV so my the way that I I tried to get my setup 
Um, it's it's taken a lot of iteration, but where it sits now is anything that was originally designed for playing on a CRT. So basically everything from, I would say, the original Xbox, PS2, Dreamcast generation and back, uh, mm-hmm. I do play on the, on the PVM. And it, it, just to give you an idea of the setup I have is... Um, Everything is based on S-Video, which for the especially retro consoles is is perfectly good. Um, It it has more than enough bandwidth to handle, like, it it, you really can't tell a huge difference on RGB to S-Video for, like, an NES, for example. Yeah. But so I have all of my my CRT stuff goes to an S-Video switcher, and then that goes to a splitter that then goes into my capture card or to the TV. And that's that basically lets me keep everything hooked up all at the same time. And if I want to jump through different consoles, I can, which has come in handy. Uh, I've done a couple of, of um, races. Uh, RGL TV has done a couple of uh, different races. Um, Discathlon comes to mind where I think there was an NES game, a Genesis game, a Super Nintendo game. And so I'm like, all right, I can do that. Just, push a couple buttons, flip through, and now, boom, here I am. I, I can jump between consoles really easily, uh, which which is, you know, nice for me, and I don't have to change stuff around. But it's a, it's been a real work in progress. I'd say it's been, you know, three years of pretty okay, gradual update to that. And then all the modern stuff I have uh, set up to output uh, through an HDMI switch that I have that, Actually, the main computer screen that I'm looking at right now, I can change the input on that, and I can play my. my I have a Switch and an Xbox One uh, 360 up here. Uh, PS4 will come up here eventually once I get a PS5, um, and be able to play those on stream. Though those the the newer stuff doesn't doesn't show up as often on my uh, mm-hmm. on my sure. page, but sure. Well, no, that's that's interesting. I, I think one of the things I was curious about too is that I feel like. The area in which there is like the most furious, uh, <laughs> furious like concentration of money and uh, and sort of tinkering is attempting to hook retro consoles to modern TVs. Um, particularly, you know, I always think people people have like a certain way of talking about the OSSC, which makes me like deeply, deeply suspicious. Like I am a <laughs> I, I have no standards though. Like for for me, the whole point of playing a a, a, like a PlayStation One game is to to try and cause as much to happen on the screen as possible to kill the kill of lag as much <laughs> as possible. So like I am not the right person to be like ah yes I need this to be responsive. That has never been my goal really. Um, so but I was but it sounds like you've avoided that. You've really just decided you know what I'm gonna make the effort to keep apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Yeah, mostly. I, I the way that the way that I capture everything is is via HDMI. I do have a RetroTINK, um, which okay. which is how I output the consoles to my capture. My capture card is HDMI capture now. Um, what capture card is that? Uh, I have a uh, it's it's a StarTech USB three. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen this. It's it's honestly it's it's been really nice. Um, and it and the the reason I like it is that e- even if I didn't want to use the HDMI, it does still allow for uh, you know composite component S video. All of those sorts of inputs are available too. But the way that the way that I I have it set up in my right now is that uh, the 
the original S-video signal goes to the PVM, but it's split a little bit before that, so that signal also goes to the RetroTink, and the RetroTink outputs that to be captured. And some of that is kind of like an idea of future-proofing, is is that I know that there are some HDMI mods that exist, like especially for the NES, and mm-hmm, yeah. it's like modding is something that I kind of dabble in and I always enjoy like taking my consoles apart and fixing them at times. So knowing that that's a thing that exists that it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe if I can ever get my hands on one of those, those mod car, uh, those mod kits, I'll, you know, take my NES apart and I'll, I'll, I'll have an HDMI use straight HDMI NES and that'd be fine for me. So all right, what one you made me think of the the other retro hardware question that I wanted to ask before we get out of this this deep hole of money, uh, <laughs> which is, are you big into flashcards and stuff like that? Oh yeah, I. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about uh, about money holes? I can. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a that's a pit, you know. And and the thing is, is that they is that between Cricks and, and Tara Onion and some of the other people that, that make these things, like, you can you can just find massive ways to, to spend a ton of money on stuff. Like, the like I have two different EverDrives for my Nintendo because the newest version is more powerful and it lets you play bigger games, period. Like, like ROM, ROMs that, that couldn't work on the original version now work on this one, so I have that. Um, I, I have a, the newest ever drive for the, for the Genesis, uh, which lets me play Sega CD games, which is something I've, I've wanted to, to mess with a little bit. Uh, even casually, there are a few games there on Sega CD that I think are really neat. Uh, Snatcher comes to mind. And so like there's, there's, you know, there's a Super Nintendo and the N64 and it's, it's honestly one of the reasons why I, I, I like the retro uh, console or, or cartridge-based games so much to play in speedrun is is that there's a lot of ability to you know like the the ease of access once you pay for that cart and admittedly that's you know it, it's like what's easier like messing with the settings or or having the flash cart and once you get the ROMs everything just works uh, for for me I found that that the latter one is the easier one. Um, is is a funny aside like a, a, one of your one of the runs I really like to to watch you play is uh Die Hard Nakatomi Plaza and mm-hmm. I have that installed on the PC I'm I'm talking to you on right now and I oh. can't get it to work the way uh, I dog, want it to work that, uh, Yeah, you can message <laughs> me about that later. That is actually all right, this is super quick, but one of the astounding things about that game is that initially uh, me and Casey Frew were running the game using uh, DXWND to make it launch more correctly. <laughs> and what happened was that another runner, uh, Cyanide, shout out to Cyanide, came along and started launching it without DXWND using a batch file and I think some some sort of command line uh, window option. And for whatever reason, that saves real time about three minutes of loads. <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. It's weird. But I mean, that's, you know, that's that's life. That's old games. The other thing though, I so, you know, cartridge games, what one thing that's been really interesting to me from a speedrunner perspective is that when it comes to submitting speedruns, it seems like and and I my assumption is the technology bears this out to be correct 
is that if you're using a cartridge-based EverDrive, you don't need to blink an eye about saying, you know, oh, you know, you know, I did a run of Shadows of the Empire and N64, and I did it on my EverDrive, but I don't. That's not important. It's it's still the same game playing on original hardware. Not a big deal. Uh, is that correct? Mostly, I would say it's mostly, mostly. correct. Um, I I can't think of any games off the top of my head that that don't. Uh, that that give you an issue if you play on an EverDrive. I know that there are some games that that just don't work on EverDrive. Um, for example, the Super Nintendo is famous for uh, when it was released that uh, companies would put extra chips in the cartridge uh, that that did different things. So, for example, Mega Man X two and three has I forget the the name of the chip, but this chip basically created wire wire meshes that were three D and could be m- manipulated by the SNES. And so that needs to be emulated as well in the flash cart. And, you know, so that was, that's one that's been, that's been cracked, but there are others that, that sometimes don't work. So, so there's sometimes a limitation that just some games you can't play on an EverDrive, but for the most mm-hmm. part, uh, if, if it plays on an EverDrive because of, because of how it works, it's, it, at least my understanding of it is, is that you're really just, you know, turning the EverDrive into that game. It's it's just the data. It's just being pulled in. Um, and so it's and operating s- the same way. Yeah. And so the point that I wanted to get to, just to have your, your brain on this maybe, is that, of course, I'm, you know, I, I, I sort of grew up as mostly a, a PlayStation monster. And so I love PlayStation and PlayStation 2. And we're in a period now where we're starting to see more and more uh, optical disc emulators. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we had we had GDMU for Dreamcast for a long time, but now, you know, Terra Onion has Mode, which covers Dreamcast and Saturn, and apparently soon PlayStation. Yeah, I, with I the same saw hardware. That. Very yeah. exciting. Uh, there's, you know, uh, there was uh, Sayo, uh, which has been interesting for PlayStation One. X Station, which is coming soon. Yeah, I uh, and can't wait. <laughs> yeah, and these have varying levels of complexity. Some of them are, you know, the the Dreamcast Saturn stuff is plug and play. Uh, PlayStation One apparently is just uh, difficult <laughs> to deal with and requires uh, fine soldering always and forever. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, looking forward to that one myself. Actually, I have that that purchased. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to 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 take apart my PlayStation and try to get this to work. Like, um, yeah, rubbing my hands so, together. But, <laughs> but of course, when it comes to optical drive emulators you're talking about interfering or changing how the disc reading is going on which i'm pretty sure you're you're probably going to change load times probably and you could also affect other things as well i know with sio because it's coming through the parallel port there's often issues with like cd audio stuff there's a lot of there's a lot of compatibility issues coming and going with that product um and so i just wanted to cat yeah i wanted to get your take on using optical drive emulators for speedrunning. I mean, I'm I'm generally I I I try to take a pretty um liberal view of 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 how uh you play your game because to to me the speedrunning um in in really until you get to a very very high level on a particular game, I'd say that the person you're really competing against is yourself. And so if that means that, um, you know, so, so to me, a level playing field, you really don't need to worry about it until you start to get into like 
really competitive or or you know a group of people that have really decided that this is how we this is how we want to determine who among us is the fastest at this game and so for those kinds of things i mean i i love it not to mention the fact that you know the the dreamcast i'm i'm looking at mine right now i love the thing it's a little brick it's tough but that disk drive Every time I play it, it sounds like it's gonna die. It just it it sounds like an old wheezy, uh, like it just <gasps> can barely make it through. And I and and I cannot wait to replace it with the mode and just be like, all right, boom, here we go. We're gonna play some Code Veronica and away we go, or some Sonic Adventure. And and I think that that you know you're gonna lose those load times, but I think that. You know, thinking long term, there's no way that everybody's going to be able to play on original hardware forever. You know, these things are finite. Um, There are only so many of them that exist, you know, in the general sense as far as the consoles go. And as they fail, you know, that number, you know, gets lower and lower. So as as speedrunners, especially retro speedrunners, I do think that that we need to be cognizant that, you know, there will come a time where we're probably going to have to emulate everything. And what that means, you know, that gets crazy. But uh, I mean, I, I'm anything that lets us keep the original hardware involved to me. I like that, that so, so I guess that's, that's a very long way to, (laughs) to answer and to say, I mean, that's where the question is going. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's where that's where it's going, which is, you know, we're as people who like these consoles, we like these options because they allow us to preserve a part of the console while getting rid of the moving parts, the optical media failing, the, the, the disc reader failing, stuff like that. But, you know, long, long, long term accessibility you know, really, it's going to be other things. It's going to be, you know, either emulation like your normal PC emulators, or it's going to be emulation like, you know, uh, more powerful misters down the road or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, but no, I, 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 it's something I've been thinking about. I've, I make notes about it sometimes. Um, I, I, I went and make, I went and looked at like the 50 most popular PlayStation 1 games that are speedrun to get a sense of what, what they look for in acceptable emulators. And I discovered there is no consistent through line <laughs> through all of the communities. No, there's um, there's a little more consistency, I think, on the the really retro. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you start talking about like NES and Genesis and, and Super Nintendo, I think that there's a little more leeway there because we we really do understand um, by 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 my level of it, we we understand pretty well how to emulate those consoles. But I mean, they're also you know the NES is. I mean, almost forty years old now. You know, when you when you really think about it, uh, the, I think the NES was released in eighty four or eighty two. So I mean, we're not far away from four decades of the original Nintendo. So you know, it's not surprising that we have a really strong grasp on that and are able to mimic it. Because how complicated can any of those chips in that thing be? Uh, you know, even even something is relatively old as a playstation you know the, there's there's some stuff in there that's pretty complicated and it's harder to emulate by my understanding i mean i'm not i'm not you know i'm i'm not really a computer engineer on the level of dealing with chips and stuff but but mm-hmm. my dabbling and understanding is is that you know it's just harder to mimic and emulate these things uh 
you know, in the same way that the original consoles did. Not to mention that, you know, we I think that you get into some very interesting things because if you talk about PlayStation 2 gaming and speedrunning, you always want, I think it's what, the uh, the 9000 series, right? The 90K. Yeah. yeah the and, 90K. And so that's that's already like a factor to me that kind of is weird. It's like, okay, so we're looking at very specific versions of hardware for getting us the best times. So you you can almost, you're almost already skewing your user base um, that, that they have to find this very specific unit that's very specific and uh, has that that only so many of those exist, and it's already hamstringing, uh, you know, people that that would like to get involved. And I don't think that that should ever be a de- like that should never be something that 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 off puts you from getting started. But if you like, you know, if you want to be like a top end um, runner of, I, I'll just I'll just say like Crash Bandicoot. I don't I don't really know PlayStation runs necessarily, but like or or Mega Man Eight is a good example because it's a PlayStation mm-hmm. One game. And, you know, the load times are better on the PS2, and obviously they're best on the 90K. So, like, theoretically, if you want to play that on OG hardware, that's how you got to do it. And that that can be a little off-putting, but, uh, you know, and I these are these are the things I kind of worry about big picture from, from a hardware standpoint. Because, again, this stuff isn't getting any younger. <laughs> on that note, let's maybe ask another, another hardware-related question. Uh, which is that speedrunning, pretty, uh, you know, can be, can be intensive, especially on your hands. Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts or approaches to, to health in terms of, you know, your hands, preventative stuff, posture, things like that? Uh, preventative, I would say, is, is literally don't sit the way I do, uh, would, <laughs> would be my, my first advice to anybody. But uh, for, for me personally, I, I mean, I, I try to stay healthy otherwise. Uh, I try to run and, and, you know, exercise and that sort of stuff. And I think that that's just a, like, I, this is, this is like a weird thing I've, I've, but I've noticed about myself is that if I take like two weeks off and I don't exercise and whether I'm trying to, you know, play multi halo or trying to speed run, I feel like I'm just not there, but then if I'm then if I go back to it and I'm and I'm keeping up with my normal like regular exercise regimen like it feels like everything goes back to normal and like I feel good about it again so I don't know like necessarily if there's if if that's maybe just psychosomatic or if that's all in my head but but I but I definitely feel like as long as I'm trying to keep in good health like I feel like I I have better control over everything but uh, you know the this the the, the best and most obvious answer i think is is especially depending upon the game you play like hand stretches and that sort of stuff like really comes uh in handy and don't overdo it like there are especially this is especially true of retro games i think is is mashing and you can you can strain your shoulder your elbow your neck your back uh trying to mash a button and that that sounds crazy but when you're literally trying to go for like you know, 30 Hertz or or 20 Hertz of, of input per second, you know, you're, you're really wailing on that controller. And if you have a bad form in doing it, you can, you can like, you know, crick your neck or, or whatever. So, so try to find a way to do it. That's comfortable and always like stretch and take breaks. If you're playing something that's super mash heavy, uh, you know, like Contra or something like that, where you're really just going to town and it's like, yeah, you know what? Every run, 
give yourself a minute, watch the intro video, and then try again. <laughs> like, don't don't overwork mm-hmm. yourself. All right, let's get. I want to get some rapid fire takes. Hot let's. Takes. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite speed run of the ones you've done? <sighs> of the of of my speed runs. Yes. Hmm. I mean, it 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 might have to be Metal Storm. Um, mm. It's it's just there's something about that game uh, that is it, it, it's really really pretty looking when you do it right, and you'll do and de- depending upon which category, uh, it it can look a little different. But to do everything right takes, um, you know, we're a lot of the a lot of the things that you're doing are frame perfect and pixel perfect and to get everything right on a run when you really nail it just uh, feels really really good uh i and i also think that it's it's an interesting run to watch too like i i have plenty of games i think that i run that that i would argue are kind of boring for a viewer i i don't think that metal storm falls into that i think that that metal storm is a game that you know looks cool to watch um no matter no matter how the run's going, really. What's your least favorite speedrun of the ones you've done? That's that's maybe a little harder because <laughs> um, <laughs> I I've I've tried to not do games that I don't like. So a through line for most of my speedrunning catalog, uh, most of my speedrunning catalog is games that I enjoyed as a kid that I decided to speedrun and. So I I would say and this is this is going to be blasphemous for a lot of retro runners but I think it might be Blaster Master. I don't even have a time on the leaderboards Ooh. for it, but I I have done that speedrun and something about that speedrun I just do not I I like to watch it. Uh, especially people that are really good at it. It's a super cool run for me to watch. When I play it, I something about it. I'm just like, man, I don't like anything that goes on in this. I don't know if it's the controls. I, that certainly factors in, especially late game. But it, there, I think that there's a bunch of little like nat sized issues I have with it. That all by the time the runs over, I'm like, God, I just want to put the controller down. I'm going to be done with this game. I was. Wa- I'm not going to name names, but I was watching someone the other day who was doing a stream where they were just scrolling through the uh, the AGDQ 2021 uh, game submissions. And they saw Blaster Master, and I don't know, I don't know what their history is with Blaster Master, but they're like, how many times has this been in the event? And they like went to GDQ VODs and and searched it. Um, so that was kind of funny. I, I I don't know. I think it's a fine. Honestly, for for me, who's not too much into NES stuff, I think I think that's one of the better ones to watch. But again, haven't played it, so I can't you know I can't talk from that perspective. It it is a cool run to watch. Like I said, I mean, I I even enjoy watching it, and I don't like to play it. Um, and and the thing is, is like. There are so many cool things about it. Like the music is good. Like it's got varying styles of gameplay. But for me, there's there's just some weird disconnect. Like the it, it doesn't line up. And every time I play it, I just walk away frustrated. What is your favorite controller? Ooh, um, I could I could lie and say the N sixty four controller just because. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm answering the worst controller question. Uh, no, uh, honestly, there. I I think it depends on what I'm doing. I love the NES controller. I think there's something almost perfect about it. Uh, even you know, re- rectangle or dog bone, whichever one you want to use. I prefer the I prefer the brick. Uh, like it's it's simple, you know. It's responsive. Um, 
like I take it apart, I clean it every so often, and it you know it bounces back just fine. It's it's a really it I love it for its simplicity. I think is that you know uh, I, I sometimes joke with with my fr- some of my friends have started started to have kids, and I and I joke with them. I was like, how are they going to learn to play video games? Because when I was a kid, I learned on the NES, and that had a D pad, select, start, A and B. But you hand a little kid now a, a, a modern control, like an Xbox or a PlayStation controller. There's like 50 buttons on that thing. Like I get overwhelmed sometimes, and I'm well versed in this stuff. So, like, where where do you where do you go? And it just feels like it's the the NES controller really feels to me like the very first like really good implementation of a of a of a controller that that's really solid and works on all levels. So does that mean that the N64 is your least favorite? <laughs> uh I mean maybe that's unfair. I think it I think it's a cool idea. I really I I I think it's a cool idea. Um I might honestly say the GameCube controller cuz I hate that C stick. Um Ooh, and wow. it, that's an, that's another one that like I I feel like I am delivering some hot takes that are probably going to like there there are probably people that are like Mega what are you saying? How dare you? But I mean I just like I don't like the triggers. I'm I, I'm literally holding it in my hand now. I, I don't mm. like the the L and R buttons. They feel kind of funky to me. That little that little C trigger or C thing is kind of wonky. It it has the worst D pad. Like I, I oh god yeah. I don't yeah. Like and I say that knowing knowing that I have a 360 controller which has that floaty D pad which is terrible. But like no tiny D pad is worse. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have especially large hands, and I and I like that D pad. It's like I I can't push only one direction on that. It it does not feel good. Um, I, I it might have to be the GameCube controller, though. I I'll admit I I really I really don't like the PS4 controller either. Um, it sits in your hands weird, right? It, like it does. what is the? It's so bulbous on the ends, and I don't know why. I, I'm I'm much more like I I really like the Xbox One controller, especially if you, if you've ever had a chance to use the Elite controller. Like that's as as far as a modern oh, the controller goes. Yeah, as far as a modern controller goes, like I don't think I've ever held anything better. Um, but like I I think about that versus like the the PlayStation Four controller. I'm like, why? Like you take away the paddles, and I think the triggers aren't as good. And like I I don't know it's. Uh, again, I I feel like I feel like these are these are in stark contrast to what uh, it, certainly the Kotaku message boards would have us have me believe. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people have their takes. It's it's interesting what sticks with people and and what doesn't. But let's talk about some games. Let's um, and you know, I think the focus here too is I really want to get sort of you know to your 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 interest your history with the particular games that we're going to run over here quickly. Obviously we've already talked a bit about a metal storm. You had done it at SGDQ 2020 online. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, why you like it, you know, why you consider it your favorite run. What's your personal history with the team? Cause I know this game, you know, if, if folks, if you're not familiar with metal storm, this is a game that has, I believe, uh, you know, North American and Japanese versions from the NES that are very different. And then much more recently, I think last year, 2019, there was a re-release uh, of basically a proper, what I, what based on what you described in the <laughs> SGD commentary, it sounds like a proper actual release. They kept the lore. They didn't switch out so much of the color palettes. Seems like a real true pop 
proper English language release uh, for this game. Uh, had you played this game in its original North American version, or is this something you came to just recently? So I came to this game. This was a game that that after I started speedrunning, I'd, I'd seen it once or twice uh, on VODs, and I was like, that's a game that I know I'm going to love as soon as I play it. Metal Storm is one of the few games that I speedrun that I did not play as a kid. And uh, there's a group uh, called Retro Games Racing, and they do, like, every month they pick a game. It's voted on by the group, and uh, everybody learns it, and they race it. And then, you know, then, you know, next month the same the same thing happens. I, I haven't done a ton of races with them, but Metal Storm was one where I was like, oh, yeah, you guys are doing Metal Storm. I'm going to hop in. That's an excuse to learn this game. And um, you you pilot just or you you control this big mech, and the idea like the the there really isn't a story in the U.S. version of it, which funny enough came out before the Japanese version. Usually, the Japanese version of of NES games are released first before the U.S. version. The U.S. Metal Storm came out first, and uh, it was it like there's a little bit of story in the manual, but the the overarching ideas is that this AI we've basically turned Pluto into Starkiller Base uh, which is just more proof that there was literally nothing unique about uh, The Force Awakens um, that 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 idea was done in Metal Storm in the early in the early 90s so that's you know it's all it's always a retread but the the Star uh, the uh, this Pluto base blows up um, a planet and then it decides that it's going to blow up Earth and so they send you know, your mech, the M308 gunner, in to set the self-destruct uh, sequence off. And the, you know, it has a little bit of weapon changing, but it's it's this, it's really about flipping gravity. So everywhere you go, uh, you can flip the gravity back and forth as you move throughout the stages. And it creates some really cool platforming that just, uh, I can't think of another NES game or really any game off the top of my head that has that same kind of mechanic that is so heavily baked in at all stages that it's that it's absolutely necessary everywhere you go uh, that you're going to be flipping gravity to dodge enemies and to attack things it's it's just really really neat uh, so so I came to it through that uh, that sequence and I learned the any percent run which is a little different than the GDQ run I did uh, the GDQ run uh, doesn't have any wrong warps uh, the US version what's really cool about it is that if you take damage on the same frame that you pick up an armor which gives you an extra hit normally if you get hit once you die but if you pick up armor you have two hits if you pick up armor and get hit on the same frame it kicks you to the end of that stage uh which is super awesome and it saves a ton of time um but they fixed that in the japanese version and so obviously on the the re-release that came out last year they that was already fixed right so so again just to clarify make sure i'm understanding right the when you were doing this racing group you were learning the original american version before this re-release version came out right right and so Uh, that was so. So we learned the the any percent route, which is which allows for those wrong warps. There's a total of five uh, in in the game. I've only ever gotten a run that has three of them, um, and it's but but mechanically the game was one that I always knew I was going to love. And I think what 
ultimately settled it down as one of my all-time favorite titles is once this re-release happened, um, it, it kind of came up to another level because I like I, I loved it and I loved to play it and I thought it was super cool mechanically. But then I come to find out that that like there's there's like a legitimate message in this game that that was trying to be shared, you know, uh, when it was released. And so uh, I, I just want to read real quick the uh, the ending screens if if you don't mind. It's it's the Earth was saved from catastrophe and yet will not man learn. Humanity's history has been wrought with strife. Who can tell if mankind will ever embrace its cosmic mother instead of harming her? If mankind does not change, it might be better if they were wiped out. Each of us must do our part to bring peace and love to all living things in the universe. And, like, that's heavy, but I I love that there was a game in, like, the early 90s on the NES, even, even if I didn't get to see it back then and even if it was wasn't there in the US version that that you know and and I know that there were other NES games like this but like it's the one that to me like I loved it mechanically and then I come to find out that it's it's got this depth that that the original developers was like you know humanity is you know there's a reason why this AI took a look at earth and was like hey you know what maybe uh maybe I should wipe these guys out like they these are that this isn't great, you know, and and I think that there's 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 this feeling of, you know, don't. It, it, I think I think it's really clear. It's like you know, embrace embrace the planet, take care of itself, take care of Earth, and take care of each other. And I I think that that's a good message, and I I really appreciate that. And when you marry it to something that's just super fun to play and cool to look at, I mean, that's that. I think that's going to hit me. That's a critical strike to a lot of. My, my personal beliefs and feelings so uh it 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 really hits home i think and i and i just love it for all of those reasons yeah i think it's really cool to to have something like that that provides an insight to what was on the the minds of the people working on the game as well i feel like that especially uh gives you gives you a, a clue what's going on that even though it might seem like it's hard to communicate through things through the <laughs> you know the the, the limited palette of of an nes game but you know it's still there it's still it's still a part of the fabric of what's what's going on um let's let's keep moving let's how about shadows of the empire i'm willing to bet that was a childhood game oh it 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 most certainly was uh it 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 definitely was and that was one that i picked up um i i actually forget why i picked up shadows of the empire but i it's the only 3d game that i run currently um, everything else I do is, is, is 2d it's based on, uh, you know, basically super Nintendo or, uh, Genesis or, or earlier, uh, very little do I, that I run is newer than that. But, but shadows of the empire was a game I played a lot as a kid. I mean, I love star Wars and I, I love that game. Um, because I, you know, I played the heck out of it and did everything you could do in it. And it was so cool because it was it was part of this massive like push by Lucasfilm at the time to like create another movie out of thin air without a movie. Uh, there was a book, there was a comic, there was this game, there were action figures, like all of this stuff was released all at the same time. So I was at like the perfect age where it's like, oh yeah, I got to get my Dash Rendar, uh, um, you know, action figure, and I want to play the video game. 
and I read the book, you know, and, and all of this stuff just kind of happened at the right time. And I was thinking about N64 games that I could, you know, learn and I could play. And, um, you know, the first one I thought of was actually Goldeneye. And let me tell you, Goldeneye, I don't think holds up very well. I think it holds up pretty terribly, in fact. Um, you know, it's a, it, it doesn't have the twin sticks. And I think that for any FPS, that's almost a necessity if you're going to play it on a controller these days. Um, going backwards for that, I think, is the hardest thing for me. I, I just can't do it. My brain won't let me. But the way that uh, Dash Rendar aims in Shadows of the Empire, you really don't... Like, the, the aiming mechanics are such that you don't really need that second stick. Like, it's got a strong enough auto-aim that you can just kind of wander around and not worry about it. And so... Yeah, it's in- interesting watching it, because it, it has that sort of feel of, like, um, like the, the older... Like almost like pseudo 3D games like mm-hmm. a Wolfenstein or Doom where it's sort of it's doing a little bit of that up and down aiming for you. Right. It really does. And again, you know, it, I think it, it it's a cool story in and of itself. You know, it's set between uh, Empire and Jedi and you know, you get to play as not Han Solo which is I think the, the easiest way to describe Dash Render. They're like, okay, Han Solo's in Carbonite. Who can you play as? Well, how about we give you a Carillion that that has a freighter and is a smuggler, and he's kind of and he's and he's kind of uh, roguish. It's like, all right, there you go, that's our guy, and so it it just fits this weird place. But again, you know, you're you're still shooting stormtroopers, you're still dealing with Tie fighters, and um, it opens with the Battle of Hoth, which I think is actually one of the best, especially at the time. I think was was a pretty perfect. Uh, experience in terms of the Battle of Hoth, you know, like taking down the the ATATs and everything. It's just it 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 was one of those games that as a kid I was like, I love this because it's all the Star Wars stuff that I want to do. And it wasn't like Rogue Squadron where you were only flying. Like you got to fly a bit, you got to be on the ground. Um, the only thing you didn't get to be was a Jedi. And you know, to to a certain extent, I I don't. That's fine. I I I was always more of a Han Solo kid, anyways. So. So I didn't need the lightsaber. Yeah, no, I I definitely hear you. I, I definitely I, I know even even in the the Star Wars games that I that I did play, you know your your Dark Forces or uh, Masters of Terrascasi, who can <laughs> oh, forget? Oh no, uh, <laughs> you know you you kind of like uh, certain certain things. Um, the one thing I wanted to, to highlight from this run, but before moving on, was. Uh, what? How do you feel? Because it seems like the most showcase tech in this game is that once you get the jetpack, you can do <laughs> this clipping where you're able to position dash sort of uh, just straight hor- horizontally laid out sideways, and then that allows you to push them through ceilings. Uh, and it doesn't. It seems like a little a little difficult to get working right away. Um, do you, do you like, I mean, it looks great. It's, it's hilarious 3d, but like, how is that for you as the runner? Honestly, uh, I, I've had a, I've had a few runs where I just could not get it to work. Like I, it would work the first time in one of the sections where you can do it and then it just wouldn't the next time. And I it just constantly banging dash up against the ceiling. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel too bad, but I, I personally love it because it lets you skip some relatively dull sequences in the game. And one of the things that the, the more I've speed run, the, mo- the more I come around on the idea that, that it really should be, you know, exciting as much as possible. And it lets, like I said, it lets you skip some really boring sequences. So, 
the first time you can do it after you get the jetpack, it basically lets you skip um, from a sort of mid-boss fight against an ATST. You don't even have to fight that thing. You can just go immediately to Boba Fett. And that's cool because everything that you skip there is all just like walking through tunnels and uh, taking an elevator. Like there's really not much interesting that's there. So you cut out a whole bunch of boring stuff. And it also offers the opportunity for some comedy because when you flip Dash on his side, the game considers him falling. Whether he's going up or down, it considers him falling. So if you do it wrong, you can actually uh, get the jetpack set up so that you turn it off and instead of him flying straight up, he just like falls straight down. And it doesn't matter how far he falls, it'll kill him because it thinks that he's been falling for like 20 seconds. And so as soon as he contacts the ground, he dies, which is kind of funny. It was, I think you did it at least once. In the, I, so I watched, in preparation for this, I had watched the, uh, the Retrothon 2020 VOD and uh, and I believe that happened at least once, and it was in fact pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that 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 sounds about right. That run was very impromptu. Um, there was a uh, there was a hole in the schedule, and um, they like somebody had to drop out at the last minute. And I'm part of the mod team for RGL, and uh, th- one of the one of the admins came on. And was like, is is anybody got like an hour game that they could like? play for this and fill in i was like well i got shadows if you guys want that they're like absolutely do it (laughs) so do it so super rusty run but it's like i said it's funny like even even when it goes wrong it's like oh here's dash he fell all of five feet and he's just oh and then he's dead yeah (laughs) which is is pretty amusing turned into a puddle yeah so what happened there dash what did you do um, all right, let's let's get on to uh, the last one. Check in on now. You mentioned earlier that the two runs that you did at SGDQ 2020 online were, of course, Metal Storm, and then also new Ghostbusters 2, which is not to be confused with the run we're going to talk about, which is Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> I I. I have to say, I actually feel kind of bad that I made you watch this run. This is one of those ones that I, I actually wonder how how much fun it can be for somebody to watch. Because if you've never played it, you don't know how absolutely absurd that game is. And well, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I've never watched it before, and I watch and I'm watching it, and the thing that stuck out to me was the fact that the the Ectomobile was doing what appeared to me a, a Battletoad sequence. Like, what, <laughs> why? Yeah, so this is this really dives back into a like I loved this game when I was a kid, right? And so when I I started the speed run, um, this was like the first game I did for a twelve hour challenge. I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn Ghostbusters two because uh, I never could beat it as a kid, so I want to beat it. And so I picked it up and I had the save states and I kind of taught myself how it works. But it's it's funny because, you know, in a normal NES game, uh, you jump with A and you shoot with B. That game, you jump with B and you shoot with A. Um, normally, you run from the left to the right of the screen. In that game, you run from the right to the left. It, it's weird little things that it does kind of wonky. And it doesn't have any idea what it wants to be. Uh, it, it has, like, these... Dimesaur Contra sections where you're actually on foot as a Ghostbuster, and then it puts you in Ecto One where it is kind of like a a bad uh, hyper tunnel 
um, tur- turbo tunnel <laughs> from Battletoads where like you're trying to like dodge the ghosts and move back and forth. Um, and fun fact, uh, there's like you have to run over these arrows to give you a super boost so <laughs> that you can make it over jumps and makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and then you have like these shmup sections where you control the Statue of Liberty. And and so like it's just all over the place as to what kind of a game it is. Um and I I it has a real soft spot in my heart because I I, I like I said, I think of myself to a certain extent as a speedrunner. Like if I was gonna categorize myself, I'd think of myself as I like, play a lot of retro garbage. Uh I play a lot of what I what you could argue are kind of bad old sixteen eight bit games. And I would absolutely put Ghostbusters 2, the Activision US release, in that list. It is this it it's just a retro garbagey game, but I it it's it's funny. And I love the Ghostbusters, so I mean that's that's the big thing for me is that I got to play as my like one of my heroes as a kid, so You know, it's it's interesting to bring up the whole subject of of licensed games and how our fondness for them doesn't match up with the critical reception. Like, for example, I I, I looked up the you know the, like what the critical reception was for this game at the time it was released, and it was it was mixed to negative. Yeah. I, I would say is what what I found sounds uh, right. But yeah, but but you know, but still, regardless of that, uh, you know, we 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 enjoy things that we you know we relate to or have other fondness for, and so the you know this is this is a vehicle for that, and so it's funny to see it now. To me, watching this, I I didn't see anything that jumped out at me as specifically speedrun tech. Is there anything that you would want to point out being like, you know, this is something that really isn't intended or otherwise we're able to really exploit? So the big thing is, and and it's something that I've actually been working on a little bit more recently um, to to really try to push this game uh, because this is the, like if you look the if the leaderboard for this it's a ghost town it's like myself I think it's uh, Tristan and then a run that Toad did like twelve years ago so that it, it's a go it's a ghost town and I and I always try to tell people it's like it's it's an it's not a hard speed run to pick up because it really is pretty execution based. There's like you can get a good time in it just if you beat it because it the game doesn't let you pause it doesn't let you stop you need to always be moving anyways so it's 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 kind of a nice friendly uh, speedrun entry point but if if there is one place where you can really save a lot of time it's the Statue of Liberty shmup sections are you what you really want to do there is you want to try to take damage. Uh, to prevent the bonus rounds so that those don't happen. But then you're also taking away lives from yourself later, so you have to be tighter in the uh, last stage in the museum. So, um, and, and really, once you get to that final stage with, with Venkman, you're, you're actually taking intentional hits on a few places because there's just so many enemies that getting through them any other way is obscenely slow. So you're actually, like, throwing a trap and then jumping into enemies so that you get hurt while the trap sucks up a bunch of bad guys. So once your iframes have worn off, you can get moving again. Um, so those, those are the big things. So it's really just a, a health management and, and like mint almost like a, like a, you're, you're trading your speed for your health, but you're doing it in a stage that isn't directly tied to where you're, where you're sacrificing that health per se. Um, 
But that's that's the big one, and 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 I think that it's one. It's a game that I've I've messed around a bit with trying to find out if there's any way to like skip things or or like I can I can't even soft lock it. Like there's really not a lot there. It's it's it seems like it's simple enough that there's not a ton of of real ways to really break it, which is almost too bad because I think that if you could break it, it would actually probably be. Um, it would also be really neat to see what you could do there. I have this conversation with Casey Fru a lot where we're playing some bad game and we're really frustrated that we can't break it. <laughs> and and I and I always remind him the sad truth is that in order to find exploits you must have features. And if there are no features, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> I, I mean I, I think that's a really good way to describe Ghostbusters 2, to be honest, because it it has very basic gameplay for the th- for the three different types of game that you play and it does it relatively competently um but it doesn't introduce anything super fascinating that lets you really break anything um like i said it, it's it's really a okay i want to try to get hit by this thing not so much that i take a life that that it that it takes a life but enough that it does enough damage so that I don't deal with this extra bonus thing that I don't want because it takes time. Um and so I've been I've been messing with that trying to figure out like the best way to to sort that and I, I it it's like trying to fit together a really annoying puzzle that that sort of changes every time you move one piece around. So it's it's definitely on my list of things I'd I'd like to go back and push that game further down but Nobody else runs yeah. it, so it's 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 almost yeah. a labor of love on my side, and it's like ah, it, right. it can wait until no, it, someone challenges me. It's an interesting routing problem, especially considering that you know the tighter you route it, the more difficult it becomes to execute the route, and then it's also you know where's the motivation coming from, which is definitely definitely understandable. Uh, let's start winding things down. Well, one of the things that I like to do to connect the interviews together uh, is to get a guest. I mean, to get a question from my previous guest for my next guest and so forth and to link them together. Uh, Now, my uh, previous guest was Amber, uh, the Mario Kart 8 DX runner. uh, And uh, she had this question. Uh, I used to to restrict these to gaming and speedrunning. But two interviews ago, my guest rebelled against me, <laughs> and so now now it is broad. You can, I mean, you're gonna, it's going to be a speedrunner answering it, so you know take that into account. Uh, but this question is for you, uh, from Amber, which is, what's your favorite genre of movie? Oh, ooh. hmm, that's oh god, I I'm so not prepared for that kind of question. <laughs> um, oh wow, uh, honestly, I mean, I I think that. It it would probably have to be like I'm I'm just trying to think of my my all time favorite movies, and it so often comes to like a comedy like I like I still think of Ghost like the first Ghostbusters is like very formative for me, um, even the second one for that matter, um, and like you know Mel Brooks you know Young Frankenstein and and Spaceballs and and I, so I mean honestly I, I I might have to say comedy just because I I will always go back to those uh, no matter what I I if I'm having a bad day I can put one of those on and it's like okay this this is better like even even you know a, an action movie which I love action movies I love Die Hard's one of my favorite movies and things like that but 
like, you know, there's there's still like some downers to those to a certain extent. At least like with a comedy, I know that that it's kind of a happy ending. And I and 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 these days, I I think I kind of need that a little more in my media, like a, a positive message, or at least a at least everybody gets to go home happy at the end. I, I so <laughs> that's probably where I gotta go. No, that's extremely fair. Uh, that does mean though that I do need from you uh, for my next guest a question. Hmm. How about it, it uh, I would I would have originally restricted this to video games, but because I was asked a movie question, I think that that I'm I'm going to broaden this. Is if you could resurrect one franchise, uh, originally it would be a game franchise, but but any franchise now, what would you what game what uh, franchise would you resurrect and bring back? Um, and and I I kind of think that. That's on my mind because Mega Man 11 was only about, you know, a year and a half old now. And, like, that had, it had been, you know, a decade since a Mega Man game had been released. And so to, to have that come back feels really good. So it's like, okay, what, what other, what other uh, thing would you, what franchise would you bring back to, you know, uh, if, if you had the ability to, to, to resurrect a, a, dormant, uh, a, a, a dormant franchise? See, I this is always exciting for me, and I say this is because I already know who the next person is, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give you the DM. This is who's gonna get is gonna get that question, and I think they're gonna have a pretty good answer mm-hmm. for that. Uh, so that should be should be nice. Uh, now I know we've been really really focused on uh, old stuff for old people, <laughs> and are there games coming out in the future? You know, in the next year or so that you're really interested that you've been following? Oh yeah, I I. I still play a lot of stuff casually. Um, my my speed running is is really retro focused, but I I game a lot um, and I play a lot of uh, modern stuff, even if I'm not, even if I don't stream it. And I uh, I love the Resident Evil franchise, um, and I'm very excited for Village. That's one that keeps popping up on my on my radar, just because I I think we get to see more Chris Redfield, and I was I'm always down to see more Chris. Uh, in any game, um, I mentioned uh, Xbox and Halo earlier. I I know that that the trailer for Halo Infinite was much maligned as it looked terrible, but I I don't care. I, I mean, it, it, if it's Halo, I will play it. I there's something about that franchise that that I think it hit me at the right age where I'm always gonna love it no matter what. So I'm I'm definitely interested in Infinite. Oh geez, what what else is there's there's so much good stuff coming out. Um, there's the new Amnesia that's being re mm-hmm. that, that's being released. I, I I like horror games actually is 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 just a genre I enjoy. Uh, in it is to to play casually, and so those those always are are high on my list. So that those are probably the ones that I'm that I think the most of. I'm sure there's other stuff, but I I. Right now, I'm just waiting for for everything to come out. I've been playing Squadrons, the, the new Star Wars game, which is super fun. Uh, flying an X-wing or an A-wing or a Tie Fighter around, it just it it just it it makes me feel like a kid again, you know. So, are you, are you one of those flight stick people? Uh, not anymore. Uh, I not anymore. I, okay. I, I was <laughs> when when I was in when I was in uh, college. You know, you, you asked the question about multiplayer. When I was we my freshman year, I was on a floor of all engineering dudes, and mm-hmm. so obviously you're surrounded by just a bunch of nerds, um, of which I am 100 percent one of. And 
so we played Counter-Strike, and one of the things we got into was one of the Star Wars uh, flight sim games. And, like, everybody everybody on the whole floor went out, and we all bought our, our you know, uh, our really nice Logitech, uh, you know, flight sticks. And, you know, so we're all flying our, our X-Wings around, and we have, like, we're on Ventrilo with call signs and stuff. It was super nerdy and geeky, but that was... <laughs> Like, I mean that's what you did. Yeah, that's that's and and now I'm 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 content to use the controller, but if I if I really get into it, I might I might have to invest in the flight stick. I I won't lie. It 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 feels like it would work real well. All right. Where where should people find you and what should they be on the lookout for? Uh well, I'm everywhere that uh I have <clears throat> sorry, everywhere that uh that I am, I'm pretty sure it's it's Madden Mega X381. Um, which is a bit of a mouthful, I know, but um, that's on Twitter, Twitch. My YouTube is just like a string of letters, but all it shows are my my current PBs and and uh, runs like that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't even necessarily worry about that. Uh, but you know, Twitter and uh, Twitch are the places where I'm at. And I've I've been away from Twitch for a little bit. I finished GDQ and was like, I I kind of want to take a break for a little bit. I was I was really banging on some games in preparation for that. Um, but I'm I'm planning to come back. I want to work on Metal Storm a little more, um, especially the uh, the No Wrong Warp run that I did at at GDQ. I want to do that on the US version because it's a little faster. Um, I want to want to try to get a new PB in that. And um, I'm thinking that I might try to branch out into something a little more modern. Uh, there's there's a game that's been kind of in the back of my mind, rooting running around. It's called White Knight. Mm. And it is a game that was released relatively recently, um, but it's black and white only, and um, you—it's it, kind of a of a survival puzzle horror kind of game, uh, kind of in the vein of the early Resident Evil games, uh, just no weapons, and you—it's—it's uh, it's all black and white. So the way that the graphics look is really cool to me when you have that very stark different color. It, it's kind of like an Obra Dinn idea of how it's presented. And that one's been rattling around in my head for probably a year and a half now of like, I'd really like to try to do that. And so if I can ever like, I'm, I'm almost saying it now because now I, I feel like if it's out in the, if it's out in the world, it'll I'll have to hold myself to doing it. <laughs> Uh, because it's it's such a cool looking game, and there isn't even a page for it on speedrun.com. Like nobody has touched it. It's completely, as far as I'm aware, un un undiscovered country. And I've never done a game like that before. So I I think that that would be the the next way to to further my speedrunning career is to take something that nobody's touched yet and and you know really plant a flag someplace. Yeah, asking those kinds of basic questions can be a lot of fun. I've, I've had a few opportunities with that when spelunking around the PlayStation <laughs> 1 library, so uh, it is very good. Uh, and, for, of course, all those links, Twitch, Twitter, they'll be wherever y'all are listening. You can look in the description. You can find links. Uh, you can also I'll put the links to some of the videos I watched as well, the Metal Storm SGDQ, uh, Ghostbusters 2 from Next Level Speedrun Showcase, uh, etc. They'll be in the description as well. Uh, Mad Mega, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk about some of these weird old games that uh, I think, to to a certain extent, ex- especially with uh, Ghostbusters and Shadows, I, I don't think a lot of people uh, remember them as fondly as maybe they should. So, 
Really appreciate the no, chance I, to talk about them. No, I, I love I love weird old stuff, so I'm always <laughs> always happy to to amplify that. But I do need one more thing from you before we end the podcast, which is that I'm going to say uh, a cheesy phrase like "Let's boost on out of here," and when I do that, I need you to give me your best uh, rocket engine noise. Okay, I I think I can do that. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. Let's boost on out of here.